right now. Okay. We're good to go. John? Yes? Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Happy Earth Day. Well, it's a uh, happy Earth Day to you, and we've had some technology issues, but that's the world we live in right now with uh, video conferencing. So we're going to just record this between the two of us, and then we'll post it out for uh, the world to see. Okay. I guess I don't have to worry about a lot of questions. That's right. Well, uh, I don't know if I'll relieve you of that. I've got some questions. Uh, we've been accumulating the questions, but at least you only have one questioner instead of uh, 2,000. Okay. Well, um, I thought what we would start with is, you know, going back to November when this was all passed at, at the NAR level, yeah. um, is just maybe kind of walk everyone through philosophically the why behind clear cooperation. Sure. Um, during the course of the 12 months leading up to this, agents have had a real problem with not knowing the story behind homes that appear to be for sale. They're working with a client, the client is interested in learning more about a home. They go on to the multiple listing service and there is simply no information. And the multiple listing service is all about cooperation. Now note that I am separating cooperation from compensation, but it is about cooperation and that the agents on the street want to know the information with regard to a property that may be for sale. And so they felt like they didn't know anything. Hence, the group got together and decided, well, we want to create a policy. We can call it belts and suspenders because quite personally, I felt that this was unnecessary, but that's just my particular opinion and I don't get to vote. However, um, they created belts and suspenders for cooperation within the MLS so that properties would be there whether they be in a coming soon status or they be in an office exclusive status of some kind, and we can talk about that later, or they can be in for cooperation. I think that while this is a monumental change and new rules to be published in the MLS, I do believe that in our opinion as staff anyway, that this is really only going to have an effect a very, very small minority of agents. I've talked to several. This, this does not change my business model. We cooperate. This is what we do for a living. This is going to have any impact on our business, but I'm sure it will for some. Yeah. Huh? Yet to be seen, I suppose. Yeah, and, and, and so kind of in a nutshell, and we're going to get into the specifics of everybody, and we'll, you know, just so you know, we're going to walk through some of the details, but at a high level, essentially what clear cooperation is, is that if you are going to, and there's been a thousand terms for these over the years, but um, in the rule, we refer to it as, as office exclusives. Yes. Um, some folks in the marketplace refer to those as hip pockets, pocket yep. listings, in the cuff listings, um, whatever it might, under my hat listings, whatever it might be. Um, we're going to, just so you guys know, when the term of art office exclusives, that's what we're referring to when we say that. And so the kind of short answer is, is under clear cooperation is if I'm going to have an office exclusive, um, I can no longer publicly advertise that, meaning put it out into the marketplace, but not share it with other participants in the MLS. Correct. We're going back to the roots of what an office exclusive really is, as opposed to what it's morphed into over the past about 24 months or so. So yes, if you're gonna publicly advertise the listing, and that's pretty well defined in that paragraph, 
And what that means, what it means is put it in an MLS. Let everybody yeah. know about it. If it's an office exclusive, then it is exclusive to your office as you have defined in your Q&A. Yeah, if, and so, and so that's kind of a blog or whatever, it's exclusive. Yeah, and so in some of the examples of like, you know, public marketing, and you know, and I know we kind of joked a little bit about, I know what happens in this world. Like, we're all going to want to dive into the weeds of, you know, well, what if my brother's sister's cousin has a website and it expired Fork looks at it. The bottom line is yard signs, flyers, yes. mass distribution of emails out to the public, putting it on a brokerage website. Those would all be examples of, of public advertising that if you were going to do that, you would no longer have an office exclusive. You would need to put that in the MLS. Correct. That is correct. It needs to be in the MLS and other participants need to be aware of that. Yeah. And you mentioned office when you talked about the office. And so office is defined and we had a great, uh, I know some of our agents got to listen into an interview with Kathy Faulkner here a couple of days ago. Sure. And she, you know, very clearly explained this and, and to make it super easy, it's, it's who are we all licensed under? So in our particular instance, um, our Ebby Holiday agents, our Dave Perry Miller agents, our William True agents are all singularly licensed under Betty Misco. That's so that right. would be considered, that is your group that you are, you that, could market to yeah. internally. That is the firm or office, whichever you would rather, you want to call it. Yes. Yeah. Great. Very good. Um, so when does this all go into effect? When, when can we expect to see it? The rules will go into effect on May 1st. However, let me preface that a little bit by saying rules being written and publicized is not necessarily the same as enforcement. Enforcement, where it comes to money out of your pocket or a slap on the hand, whatever it is, the MLS providers have a lot of leeway. And personally, we don't feel that there's going to be any monetary fines or whatnot assessed until possibly January of 2021. What we need is an extended education period to educate the minority, which we feel it will be, of agents of not what they can't do, but how they can accomplish what they want to do and what they need to do to abide by this. Right. And so, and, and I know some agents have, have, have asked this question is, because we will have a, a deferred time before fines start coming into place on this, sure. that doesn't mean that, you know, everyone can just continue to go out there and violate the rule until January 1. Yeah. It's really an educational opportunity. Um, to bring people along. But if, if there's, you know, if a brokerage, for example, was still displaying listings on their public website that are office exclusive, that's still going to be addressed. It's not like enforcement gets deferred till January. We're just talking about fining folks at, at that it's point. It's going to be addressed, correct, yeah. and brought into compliance. Um, yeah. Not necessarily with a monetary fine so much, it just brought, all we want is accurate, correct information to benefit our participants and subscribers alike that are subscribing to the MLS. And when you yeah. subscribe to the MLS, you are agreeing to cooperate with other agents. One of the things we've talked about internally is that, you know, you could kind of see this playing out over a number of years is that if every company agent, whatever you might want to do, started taking more and more of their listings in this fashion, as a consumer sitting there, it could become more and more difficult to really try to find out what was on the market if I had to go to, let's say, 50 different websites to look at that, as opposed to knowing the singular source of data coming from Netris in North Texas. Yes, I mean, I'm a consumer too. 
And two or three years ago, I had a next door neighbor of mine come to me and say, what the hell does this coming soon mean? <laughs> you know, what the heck does this mean? And it was very difficult to explain at the time. So with that information being available and using the coming soon as it is designed to be used, your real estate professional can give you that information. Yeah, and we're going to get to coming soon here as well, too, because they, they do, they do really do intersect in some fashion with the office exclusives in, in coming and, soon. And Netris benefits by the foresight that we had a couple of years ago to actually install and operate a coming soon status. Not yeah. all MLSs in the country have that luxury right now. Yeah. It's, um, exactly. it's beneficial. It is. And so if I do happen to have a seller, and maybe the seller is high profile, maybe they have certain sensitivities, um, they can certainly still take an office exclusive listing and yep. they'll do that by essentially within the listing agreement, making that selection mm -hmm. with a little bit more and we're revising our forms internally, a sure. little bit more of a beefed up version of, of truly letting that seller understand that by selecting this, this is what this means. There isn't going to be, it's not going to be loaded into the MLS and there isn't going to be any public form of advertising. It's not going to go to the newspaper. It's not going to go out on, you know, whose blog it is going to be disseminated by myself through my firm. Now, you're going to hear people talk in the country about, well, gee, that benefits the larger firms, like every holiday companies. You get to advertise the listing to more people than the mom and pop brokerage, right? That's, that's an issue that has come up in the past, and we'll see how that shakes out. I don't know. Um, but the important thing that you bring up I'll just jump into it now, has to do with this section 1.3 of an office exclusive. It needs to be sent to the service. It isn't going to be disseminated, but the service needs to know that the property at 123 Holly Lane is an office exclusive. And if necessary, I can send you a copy of my listing agreement where that box is checked. It may not be necessary. We're trying to figure this out right now at the office. We had discussed with the governance committee about whether or not we need to actually create a property category, if you will, of office exclusive, which only would be visible to the listing office. That would be convenient. We haven't taken that measure yet because we're kind of taking a wait and see as to, is that really going to be necessary to spend that kind of money to create that? Yeah. And I think, you know, but the bottom line is it's not a, even if you take an office exclusive, it's not a ghost listing with respect to the MLS. You're still telling the MLS about it. You're Correct. just not disseminating it out to the public. Well, that way, when a, a listing agent calls Kathy Faulkner at MetroTax and asks about it, she has information to share. Yeah. If necessary. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, one of the ways that could actually happen would be if the agent were to create a, uh, an incoming listing, if you will, it hasn't been placed as active, right? Who has access to that? Well, the listing agent, the agent's broker, as well as staff level access can see it. So information has been shared with the MLS service to see we're decentralized. So it doesn't matter which association it is, be able to see it. Yeah. All can see it. And so the only way, the way, the only place where that kind of falls short 
is when I was talking about the incoming, it doesn't, it doesn't quite meet what I was talking about, where if you actually had a property class, it would be exposed to all the agents in your office. Yeah. That, and, would, be, that would be better. Yeah, you know, and, and I think to your point about, you know, large broker versus small broker, you know, what I would think is if, if I'm willing to disseminate my office exclusive to say 1800 Ebby Holiday Company agents, I really need to think, am I really exclusive at that point or should I really just be disseminated out to the most eyeballs as possible, you know, into the public marketplace? And that is a discussion that has come up on uh, the NAR, uh, I forget what they call that, the hub. Yeah. So um, I have an office exclusive. I certainly am allowed to show that. And I've seen in several places that just because the, I promote it internally or on one-on-one -on -one phone calls with clients that I may have, you can certainly co-op and it can be shown by agents from other brokerages, right? I think so, yes. Yeah. Um, that would be a very weak complaint. Yeah, yeah. It's really about the public advertising, not the selling or the showing of the property. That is the, the, as I was saying when I was on with the uh, Collin County Board, that is the key phrase in all of the paragraphs regarding this policy is public advertising. Yeah. And that definition. If you, you know, are the public with your listing, with the property, then you have an obligation to make sure that it's in the MLS within 24 hours. Right. So yeah. And let's, others let's can know on that. It, if I did take an office exclusive and then either myself as the listing agent or my seller yes. uh, went out and did some form of public advertising. You need to put it in the MLS and share that information with your fellow realtors so that they have that information. You're cooperating. Yeah. So if I did take an office exclusive and then later decided I'm going to put this on Facebook or I find out my seller Right. publicly advertised it, that's where the, I have one business day now to get it into the MLS as active, correct? That's when it kicks in, yes. Yeah. So it's not to say that people can't change their minds. If they take an off exclusive, they later change their minds, you can go in and change the status. Absolutely. Yeah. That's like saying too that, you know, well, going back to the coming soon, under the new rules that have been adopted by the board of directors, not approved yet by NAR, but shall be soon, we've increased that from 14 days to 30 days. That does not mean that a coming soon has to be in there for 30 days. If right. you take a, a listing and your client and you want a pre-market coming soon, sign in the yard, says coming soon. Everybody knows that it's in the MLS under the coming soon status, share it to everybody. And yet after 10 days, your client says, I'm ready to go active. You go active. It doesn't mean you have to have it there 30 days. And that's a little bit of a misconception sometimes amongst the population has said, it doesn't mean it has to be there 30, to 30 days. It just means that's the maximum number of days it has to be there. And if you don't touch that listing for that period of time, it's going to be, the status will change the temporary off market. The reason we did that is we're not going to force it to active. We don't know. Yeah. So we're going to go temp off market. And then the agent is notified by email from the system so they can go in and make sure that they're doing the correct job for the client. But yeah, I, I think we're not making assumptions. Yeah, because with office exclusive or coming soon, uh -huh. the other one is the seller still is in control. We're not taking any power away from the client in, in the sense that they can, they can change it throughout the course of the listing as far as what makes most sense at that time. I believe you're right. Now, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, one of the things that comes up, you know, recently is that um, is the prevalence of, of these different Facebook or social media pages that agents belong to 
And the question has come up, obviously, if, if multiple agents from different brokerages belong to that singular Facebook group or whatever it may be that they're promoting office exclusives to, that would be considered public advertising because it's going outside of your brokerage at that point. Yes, it's not really an office exclusive any longer. However, yeah. looking to the association or Netris, we can't police what we don't know. <laughs> and if it's a private group, they're certainly not going to let John Holly be a member, are they? Um, can't police what we don't know, but we've got about 40,500 tattletales out there. So it's going to get out. <laughs> yeah, and so they've asked that. So how, how is that? I'm, I'm an agent and I'm trying to do things the right way. I see something that's happening that is in violation. I don't think they're unintentionally doing a lot of questions have come up. How, how do I notify Netris or the associations okay. at that level on, on a violation? What you want to do is you want to notify your MLS provider that you're a member of. And every holiday, I'm sure you've got people that are members of Colin, Metrotex, maybe Fort Worth, I forget. But at any rate, you notify them. And in the new rules coming out, there's only three things that need to be done. One, we need the property address. Number two, need to know who the listing agent is in the office. And then the next thing is snap a photo. Give us some evidence to look at. We need that, they need that smoking gun. So snap a photo of the yard sign or, or, the, or the flyer in the window or whatever it is to prove your point. Yeah. And then the sanctions will go from there. And then I know some agents have asked, and this came up on that discussion with Kathy about, you know, can they do it anonymously? And I'm assuming that's going to be association by association. And if an agent doesn't feel comfortable, bring it to their brokerage and the brokerage can turn it in without the agent's name having to be attached. To Actually, I personally am in favor of anonymous complaining. However, some brokerages have received legal advice that said, no, you should not. So that is going to be not brokerage, I'm sorry, association. So that's sort of going to be an association by association. But uh, I mean, Cindy and I have worked hard to come up with a way that we'd like to have a button on the MLS that says report violation. Yeah. So before moving kind of into the coming soon bucket um, on just to kind of sum up uh, clear cooperation, you know, pretty easy here is that if you're going to take an office exclusive, no mm -hmm. public advertising, that means not on your brokerage web, public website, right. yard signs, flyers can still be shown. You can still have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people outside the brokerage to talk about the listing and have it shown and sold. Not considered public advertising. Correct. Yeah. Exactly right. Now, Very good. But, but, but coming soon is a great way to pre-market. Yeah, so that's a perfect transition. Let's jump into that. And so right. you kind of already touched on a little bit. Under the, under the rule, um, we are looking at the coming soon status of being able to be lengthened from 14 days to 30 days. Correct. Um, and um, I always like kind of remind people, the, and, it, and this was nicely stated in the rule itself, is the purpose behind coming soon. Mm -hmm. The purpose behind it is to prepare the property which you have taken a listing agreement on to be ready to go actively on the market and be shown. In other words, it is not intent to give you any competitive advantage on the transaction. The yeah. intent is we have painting to do and carpet and whatever else to get the home prepared to be on the market for a transaction to occur. So that is the intent behind it not for competitive advantage. Does that yeah. happen? Yes, it does happen. We know that. 
Yeah, because it it's seems like sometimes I think coming soon is misconstrued as basically another version of an office exclusive, right? Like I have this listing and I'm holding it for myself under this coming soon status. Yes. Um, okay, so I can advertise a coming soon listing, correct? Yes, you may. You can have a yard sign. You can advertise it as coming soon. But, you know, if you think about the term coming soon means it's supposed to come. Yeah. Come I always like to say soon. I always like to say this, if you, if you, and I know they're all closed right now, but if you walked up to a movie theater box office and, you know, when you walk up, they always have the movies that are coming soon sure. and you say, Hey, I want to see, I want to get a ticket to that movie that's coming soon. And they'd say, well, it's not here yet. It's coming on coming. Such, such a date. Correct. Yeah. That's the same thing. If we're telling, if we're telling the telling certain members of the public, our listings are coming soon, but then on the side, you know, wink, wink, we're going to let other people come see it first. That's, that's not what the rule is supposed to be about. No, and the whole point with coming soon was that the, the amount of information you have to enter into the MLS is nominal compared to a full listing. Not yeah. all the fields are required anymore. The idea is to allow you to do some pre-marketing on this property. Yeah. Then if it, you know, in my personal opinion, I'd want to pre-market for price. Yeah. Maybe you want to test it out before you go live. Days on market does not accrue. It's not technically on the market yet. So we right. do not accrue days on market for coming soon or temporarily off, 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 excuse me, temp off market. As you travel around the country, Chris, you, you're going to hear different opinions from different MLSs. That's just the way we do it at Netris. Yeah. And, and I think it's hard. Yeah. I think, I think it probably gives people a little bit more ease in, in using that as that status, not fearing this, this DOM that's going to start hovering over the property in some fashion. There's nothing that I would want to do to discourage a, a, a consumer from listing. Yeah. We want them to list. Right. So it's interesting that the, the new office exclusive and the coming soon are almost like mirrors of one another in the sense that yeah. office exclusive, I can't publicly advertise, but right. I could show a coming soon. I, I can publicly advertise, but I can't. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. So I, I, I foresee an uptick in the use of coming soon. Right now, there's probably between four and 700 coming soon properties in the database. Maybe even less than that. I'm not sure because with this COVID-19, things are changing every day. Right. However, um, I, I anticipate a... Uh, spike in usage yeah because i so think it's a good tool it is a great tool and so one of the things i want to also clear up that i know some causes some confusion so if i'm taking a listing um and um i sign let's say you're my seller and i'm your listing agent and we sign the listing today on you know april 22nd and um but the effective date of the listing so sometimes the listing agreement refers to it as the term date or the commencement date our, our start date is, is May 1st, even though you are signing it today on, on April 22nd. This gap period between the 22nd and May 1st really isn't a coming soon period. I might go to a sales meeting and tell my other agents, hey, I've got a listing coming up, but that is not the coming soon period. The coming soon period would actually start on, on May 1st when we actually have a qualified listing at that point. Is that correct? I, I'm not sure what the uh, tracker TAR forms have. But in listening to what you say, and I'm not a lawyer, I think the effective date means everything. I deal with contracts every day, and we, yeah. have, we have the date that we signed them. And usually the date that we signed the contract affects the term of the contract, right? right. 
but the effective date might be the data was installed. Right. So during the period of development, we don't, the effective date is the date it was installed. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I would look at, I would look at a contract the same way arguably. Yeah. I explained to Dinesh, Dinesh that that's probably more of a question for an attorney. Right. Not well, I'm, I'm a recovering lawyer at this point. I just, I just moonlight as one from, from time to time now. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, know I just play one on TV, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we sign it versus when the, when the comment actually, you know, it does when it starts. And, and we'll address that internally as well. You know, the other thing, too, that comes up with coming soon is, well, gosh, okay, I, I take a coming soon listing. But then, man, I've just got this buyer that, and maybe it's a buyer's agent. They just you know, they don't care that the bathroom's not done yet. They just really, really want to see it. My seller has now changed their mind. That's okay. You can change your mind and then change the status, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you're not going to, if you really feel like you're two weeks into a coming soon status and, and uh, you say, well, gosh, maybe we should have, we didn't anticipate this much interest in the property that doesn't even care. We haven't finished pulling the wallpaper off yet. We can, we can change the status at that time. Happens right now. Yeah, yep, it changed. Um, also, one thing that I know some people are curious about, if I have a, an existing listing right now dated prior to May 1st, those will continue on under the old rules. It's, it's, it's new listings taken May 1st and after. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. We decided May 1st. Other MLSs have already implemented this right. months ago and have led, blazed the trail. 90% of them have had no... No, no difficulties whatsoever. This has been yeah. a very smooth transition, even though it carried a lot of hype, uh, well, like we're doing right now. But yeah. uh, it's been very smooth. And uh, but yes, we decided to go with the May one implementation date of the rules to be changed. They're changed right now. They're redlined, and they're probably in the hands of NAR as we speak. Yeah. Um. Well, and I think that's just important because I don't want agents to fear that they have to go out and get re-signed up with existing listings and sellers and things like that and stuff. This I is just May 1st and after. But, you know, you mentioned that the, the pocket listing in the or hip pocket or under the hat, whatever you want to call it. The clear cooperation is hopefully designed to stop that. Yeah. That's what they well, want. And, I, they want and I know they did some studies down in Houston where they, they actually found that, you know, the higher percentage of of, of, you know, hip pocket listings and, and, and maybe yeah. in Texas we call them in the boot listings, whatever, that it was, um, there, there was a disparate impact from a fair housing standpoint in some instances as well, too, just because your access to listings was so dependent upon maybe who you were affiliated with as with your listing agent. You are absolutely correct. And that was also a thought that came up in discussion was this is better with fair housing. Yes. Yeah. It's not discriminatory. And, uh, the one caveat that is difficult for us here in Texas is that we are a non-disclosure state. Mm -hmm. And that's probably going to come into play one way or the other. There are, in the higher end, I will say, properties where they want to sell the property. They want to advertise it in multiple ways. But I don't want it in the MLS because I don't want my sole price to be there. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Right now we need the sole price because well, that's how you do comps. But in a non-disclosure state, that's going to be an interesting caveat. Now I'm not 
I'm not sure how that's going to play out. That might be up for discussion at a later date. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good, that's a good point to end on a little bit. It's just that, as I kind of joked about earlier, about wanting to get into the weeds on very, very specific type backpacks and stuff. You know, we, we have enacted, you know, as of May 1, we will have enacted the clear cooperation rule and revised the coming soon status policy and rules as well, too. But we're going to use the next five to six months. We're going to get used to this. We're going to learn from it. There'll be probably some additional clarifications that comes out and everyone just needs to kind of roll with it in some respects. I can assure you that it will be tweaked. Yeah. <laughs> At the that's reason, level. Right? Yeah, that's right. Very, very you good. Well, there, was a, there was a motion that came up a while back, not long ago, about you know, delaying this whole process because of COVID-19. The committee met and they decided not to do that. Yeah. May 1 is the date. Yeah. Well, John, you have been so generous with your time and awesome. I, I love it. appreciate it. Um, you know, we, again, we just want to make sure that we're doing our part within the Ebby Holiday Companies to, uh, you know, be informed, be educated and uh, do our part to uh, facilitate, you know, great transactions with all of our participants across uh, Netris. And so, and I anticipate a very smooth transition on this. We're probably making a lot of noise about nothing. Yeah. To be honest. Well, I wouldn't like, want, want the opportunity to pass without thanking you and your teams for everything you all have done over the last six weeks to keep us up and running. We are still selling real estate here in North Texas, and we appreciate everything you guys have done to help facilitate that well, over the last several months. I have, I have very, uh, very warm feelings about every holiday companies. Uh, you know, I've been here 15 years almost. When I came here, Evie Holiday was actually uploading about 18,000 residential listings a year through their own back office system. And so, just so you know, uh, myself and my team, we are working on reestablishing that again so that this can go on and happen, not just for Evie Holiday, but for everybody, because I got a broker back office system that's first class like y'all. Why can't I upload to this thing? And the vendor says, it doesn't matter where, how it got here. It just got yeah. here. Yeah. So we are working very diligently to make this happen. Well, we, uh, we sincerely appreciate that and all that you've done and, and continue to stay well to uh, you and your teams. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Take care.